I'm Charlie. I'm Joseph. And I'm Spencer. Welcome to The Church Closet. On today's episode, we'll be exploring the question of how we discovered our sexuality and what happened before puberty. So, yeah. um, For me, I discovered that I was same-sex attracted around age nine, um, except I didn't know what that really was. Um, I grew up in a christian quote-unquote christian household where you didn't talk about lgbt or anything relating to that or really the liberal agenda um so i didn't really get a chance to ask what these feelings were i knew i liked guys um more than just my friends i knew that i also liked girls too but not as much as the guys I moved from Alabama to Tennessee and got to know some more friends and got to know more about what LGBT meant through middle school and high school. And that's where I finally learned the names of gay, lesbian, bi. Um, And I realized that those things described me. So while I had the attraction, the puberty part... (laughs) puberty so fun for all of us it was more like when my guy friends were looking at girls going man i would really like to date her and i look at other girls and was like eh. but then that same thing of what the guys are talking about to girls would happen with me on guys personally i'm not a big fan of this question not because i think it ha- doesn't have anything to offer i think it can be really insightful for us to be able to talk about our histories, what helps us to discover these things and what we do about it. But what I don't like about the question is I can't really answer it without feeling like an idiot. And the reason for that is... I can tell you the reason for that. <laughs> Shut up, Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up with a lot of presuppositions based off of my upbringing, both what my parents taught me, why siblings taught me, what I taught myself, and then what my religious beliefs Uh, dictated. And I'll cover some of that later. Um, As far as what started before puberty, there wasn't really much. At least not that I can think of that was like, oh yeah, that was definitely because I was attracted to guys or anything. Like, I wasn't attracted to guys. Um, I always had the assumption that I would date a female, marry a woman, have kids, have a family, work. And uh, basically the typical American dream was what I expected for myself. So when I did things like wear like play dress up with my sisters and try on some of their dresses, that wasn't seen as, oh, it's because I want to be gay or because I want to be a woman. It was just because dressing up is fun. Trying new things is fun. Um, the singing voice I originally had until I was about 10 or 11 years old sounded like a girl singing. I was told it didn't sound bad, but it looked wrong coming from a boy's mouth. And actually completely retaught myself how to sing when I got older because I didn't want that reputation. So, and I guess I did gymnastics growing up, but those are just stereotypical things that I happen to do 
but that I don't think made me gay or made me attracted to guys. Several of my siblings did gymnastics. Singing is a family pastime, and I might be the only boy who sounded like a girl, but we were all singing and we all loved it. Nothing about my upbringing said this boy will grow up to be attracted to dudes. And I wish I had more defined answers like if I could undo something, what could I undo that would have made me end up different? But I can't. What first caused me to start realizing that I was different, keep in mind, I had the assumption that I was going to marry a woman. And through high school, I actually had this idea of I'm going to be friends with several women so that when I am falling in love, when I meet the one, I'll know the difference between liking someone as just a friend and liking someone because I want to marry them. Sexual attraction had nothing to do with it in my mind. Like, Holding hands sounded nice, kissing sounded nice, but it wasn't because of sexual attraction that I thought people did those things. Honestly, sexual attraction just didn't have anything to do with husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends. It was, I was completely in the dark on those things, not because my parents didn't explain anything, but because I didn't ask questions and they thought I knew a lot of the time. Like, they sent me to a couple purity conferences, and I left the conferences knowing that premarital sex was bad, but not knowing what sex was. The first time I definitively remember having the conscious thought that I was different was uh, as puberty started happening with me, awkward things started to happen, and my dad took me out to dinner to explain some of it, and also to go over some of his own life. And it was a day that I learned some about my dad and his family growing up. And it was a day that he explained certain things to me, like he explained, not in graphic details, but what an erection was, and that I know this is happening with you, and this is what you need to do. It It wasn't described as, this is what is used for sex. It was, this is an erection, when this happens, don't rub it. (laughs) Um... And he explained what normally causes it. Normally with a lot of people, it's looking at the opposite gender, and that is predominantly when it happened. And that was not when it happened with me. Um, I don't know when I started being attracted to guys. I don't have it so clearly defined. But I know at that point, I knew enough about erections to know they didn't happen when I saw women. They happened when I saw guys. And I didn't know what to do with that. And my dad said, what? Because I was making a face and I said nothing. And it was like the point, the earliest point that I could have had an honest and opening, healthy conversation with my dad about my sexuality And I lied because it felt uncomfortable and I didn't want to. Um, And I wouldn't come out for another nine or so years because of that. Um, I know that a lot of what I was initially attracted to and still what a lot of my attractions are based off of are things that I was ashamed about myself and my own, own body. A lot of us look in the mirror or see our reflections, and we don't see what's actually in front of us. We make up lies to believe about ourselves, like, we don't look good enough, I should be embarrassed about this, why are other people comfortable showing this? And that it was that question of why are other people comfortable showing this that made me stare at them initially, wondering why they were comfortable being, even just being shirtless. That was one of the things I did not do for That was one of the things I avoided as best as possible growing up. If I could keep a shirt on, I would keep a shirt on. And it made me, it was one of the reasons, it didn't make me make me, but 
it guided the mindset that had me checking out other guys that were shirtless, wondering why they felt so comfortable, why they felt so confident, and also judging them for things like sagging was popular in those days. It still somewhat is. Um, but using my Christian narrative of, oh, I would never show my underwear like that, or I wouldn't do this, I wouldn't do that, as an excuse to be staring at it with lust in my heart. And for a long time, I didn't know that this staring was wrong. Like, in high school, I learned about gay marriage, uh, same-sex marriage, and all I really knew was that the Bible said marriage was is between one man and one woman. So I had the thought of, I completely failed to make the connection between their horrendously sinful acts and my desire to stare at shirtless men. Um, it was a completely hypocritical stance of I was judging people for their actions and while being entirely unaware of my own depravity. Eventually, I figured out it was lust. And so in that sense, I was able to have people start praying for me about it and have small amounts of accountability, but the kind of accountability where I say, yeah, I struggle with lust and then give no specifics because they assume I'm lusting after women and that it's, you know, the easy, you don't change clothes around people you're attracted to type situation. But I didn't have that. And then finally, when I got to college, I had this idea of if I can become comfortable in my own body, not being ashamed to be seen in healthy lights by other guys, maybe it would help me. But I was doing it alone, and I was doing it without accountability. So what really happened was I was putting myself in situations where I would find things to lust after, thinking that I was trying to help. But really, it just made me want more. It wanted me, it made me want to lust more, and it wasn't a healthy solution. And it wasn't until being able to talk to my church family about, like, actually talk to my church family about my struggles with sin and actually have close friends in my life who I could talk to about my sin that I started having any sort of accountability for my lust. As it turns out, when you don't have the opportunity to sin, you don't miss it. Um, so having people who know what I'm going through and have loved me through what I'm going through has been incredibly helpful. Sometimes it feels like being open about my sexuality is just making it more official. Like every time I told one of my siblings or told my parents, it felt like I was keeping, I was telling them about a sin that I wanted to be temporary and officializing it as an identity. Once you tell your family you're gay, you're gay forever. But really, it was once I tell my family I struggle with sin, that I am not normal, that I have, that I'm not the perfect child that they probably didn't think I was anyway. They know me too well for that. They knew how to love me better. They knew how to care about me better. And they started meeting needs that I didn't know I had, that my lust, my internet use had been promising to meet for years and had constantly been failing. So to this day, I still have some, I, I feel like my sexual, in Besides being attracted to dudes, I feel like my sexuality is already weird, but then I feel like it's weirder because in my head, my lust is after guys, my romance is after women, and the two are completely separate. And on the one hand, it means that I'm not looking for a boyfriend or a husband most of the time, but on the other hand, it means that I don't have sexual attraction to women and I'm not sure how healthy it would be to marry them in that situation. 
And it's felt like a free pass to sin when I've lied to myself saying, oh, I just want to look. I'm not going to have sex with them. I'm not going to pursue them romantically. Because I'm not looking for marriage, I'm better than all those other heathens who deal with same-sex attraction. And that doesn't line up with scripture. That doesn't line up with reality. That's just me being hypocritical to justify my own sin long enough for me to get the sinful results that my flesh wants. And it's not healthy, and I don't want that anymore. Well, I I would say that I went on kind of a similar journey for discovering my own sexuality. Everyone goes through it. Um, Some people's journeys uh, end up sounding a lot different than others because uh, you add to the the shame and the weird complexity of, A, developing um, sexual attraction and sexual feelings. I'll second that. uh, Yay for puberty. Puberty is always a fun time for everyone. Add to that a layer of complexity that comes from growing up in the church. And the church has a pretty mixed record from everything I've talked to with my friends about uh, shame, acceptance, uh, helping people who are going through puberty and discovering what it's like to have sexual feelings. Sometimes they're supportive, sometimes they're not. Some churches are really good about helping people through that and being you know, loving and accepting and understanding mercy and uh, still teaching what it is to you know, be honorable, to take care of your brothers and sisters by the way you handle yourself now that you, you know, now that you have a sexuality and some churches will tend to just kind of hush it up, not talk about it or only talk about it in deeply, deeply negative ways. Uh, A lot of ink has been spilled and a lot of words have been said critiquing the church for this. So I'm not going to go too much in depth on that. I think everyone can agree now that just shaming people for having sexual thoughts or being sexual people is pretty counterproductive and doesn't really get very far and it definitely doesn't invite people into the church but it exists a lot of people who grew up in church have to deal with it and it was certainly part of my story a layer of complexity i didn't have to deal with was adding on to the weirdness of going through puberty and the weirdness of being in the church while you did it the people i was attracted to i'd kind of prepared for uh Whenever I started noticing women, whenever I started um, noticing people my my age and older and seeing them as beautiful, seeing them as sexually attractive, uh, at least that part I had been prepared for. But even when I say I was prepared for it, it wasn't by that much. I Growing up, I only had one brother, uh, no sisters, and it was a, a very strong environment of like, you girls. <laughs> Neither of us really talked about, you know liking girls or talked about the fact that we would like girls one day or uh, talked about girls very much in general. We were busy with, uh, you know, guy stuff. And as a result of that and just the way that my family works, I ended up sorting out a lot of my early sexuality entirely on my own. I'm not going to blame my parents. I think they did a pretty good job, but uh, they were kind of reserved. I wasn't very good at asking questions. I wasn't very good at bringing up awkward conversations at all. My experience of my early sexuality was a lot of me reading things, finding things, looking for any resources about this mysterious topic called sex. Which, looking back, I can sort through the shame. I can sort through the feelings of awkwardness. I know. I think most of them are pretty unavoidable. I don't think anyone gets out of puberty unscathed. I don't think anyone gets through uh, without feeling awkward and weird and alone, feeling, frankly, like, Am I normal? Am I all right? Am I perverted in some like really serious way? Because I have this new set of feelings that I've never had before. Um, I imagine if you'd never been hungry before, 
And then at 13 years old, you're like, oh no, I'm hungry now. What do I do? Uh, it would take quite a while to figure out how to manage that, figure out what it means to interpret your body's own signals as it's kind of talking to you about it. And also decide whether or not your way of being hungry is normal and you compare it to everyone else's and what they're talking about and what they think it's going to look like. So because of the family I grew up in and my early disposition, um, I saw almost nothing before puberty. I didn't see anything about orientation or attraction or romance. Wasn't a very romantic child. So uh, puberty was kind of a, a hard, hard uh, transition for me. It was, a, it was a steep, steep right turn, which, like I said, I can look back on it and I've come to terms with a lot of it. I can be a lot more at peace with who I am now, but I'm not going to pretend that that came easily or it was an easy transition or there wasn't a whole lot of shame that I had to go through along with uh, the regular stupid mistakes that everyone makes whenever they're growing up. Yeah. Uh, something that I got reminded of while you were talking just about all the all the changes that happened in puberty. I don't actually know if I experienced opposite sex attraction when I was first going through puberty because of the self-righteous attitude I took. Because initially when attraction started, I was looking at both what guys had visible and what girls had visible. But I was judging girls for what they had visible because I had been told that they're not supposed to show so much skin. Granted, I think I took a way more legalistic approach to this than my parents and my teachers intended. But the thought that, oh, that's showing I need to look away so that it's not lust. But nobody had ever told me that staring at guys could possibly be lustful. I don't even know if I knew that girls staring at guys like that could be considered lusting. That's how little I knew at the time. Without knowing whether or not I was experiencing lust or sexual attraction, I cut it out. I shut it down. I looked away every single time and hid behind the barrier, uh, mental barrier of I know I'm right and what you're doing is wrong, even when it was just the littlest bit of skin. Like it, it was an extreme approach that was in my head. And so it was like, I don't have permission to look at this. I have permission to look at this. And then it became complicated. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I imagine it's so much harder whenever it sneaks up on you like that because I got so much very explicit information about it's your job as a young man. Uh, you know, you look away. You, it, your job is to, you know, control your eyes, control your mind, control your thoughts. Uh, it's a lot about control and a lot about restraining whatever it is that you happen to be feeling. So that was really drilled into me. But whenever the object of your what your eyes are being pulled toward isn't what you would expect it to be, um, there's a lot less preparation for that. And just the systems we have set up, whether it's, you know, going to summer camps or um, going to school, the whole way that um, our institutions for kids are structured are structured in such a way to keep, you know, young guys and young girls apart to an extent, especially within the church, to uh, to watch them very closely and to keep anything from happening. So when you exist outside of that kind of division and that kind of system, I imagine it'd be pretty easy to slip through the cracks. Like there's many times where I could just be quiet and play the Christian card, you know, all while living a double life in the shadows. It's what I like to call a lies behind the door. It's what lies there. Is it the lust? Is it not really knowing what the crap everything is? But it also is what lies are you telling through the door. Knowing your sexuality and living it, or choosing not to live it, depending on your circumstance, creates a whole 
thing of do you tell lies to keep up a facade or are you part of the community where you can be like, yeah, this is me. For you, Spencer, it was probably you had a few lies there here and there, you know, everyone does. Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But you're able to fit in because you're opposite sex attracted, which is fine. For me and Charlie, it was more of, okay, conceal, don't feel. (laughs) Um, We're told that it's either an abomination or we're spouted out Leviticus chapters 18 and 20 saying that if a man lies to a man as he does a woman that their blood shall be on their heads and we're not given hope. So here we are in the shadows lying behind the door, lying in the church closet because we know that God is good and that he is gracious and that he has come to save us. But the people representing him are ones that will persecute us and kill us, not physically kill us, but, you know, reputations. And But the thing is about hiding behind a legalistic point of view or hiding behind, for me, it was just trying to fall through the cracks myself. Like, I knew I was different. I say age nine, but there were key figures here and there before that, um, some of which just not podcast appropriate. But, like, I was able to hide that from everyone around me and to see... You know, I can live a double, double life. I can be a good Christian boy, you know, new to stories, new to answers. Sunday school, it's always Jesus. Where I could hide that way and then at the night, do whatever I want. And it led up until I actually came to Christ where that didn't work out anymore. And hopefully we'll get to that story later on in the podcast series. I think there is uh, there's a lot that can be redeemed after the fact. I feel like... I discovered my sexuality. Um, I was kind of a late bloomer. I didn't really um, come into puberty all the way until I was like 13 or 14. And I think that was a pretty difficult time for me with my sexuality. I was able to redeem and to come to terms with a lot of it later on. I spent a lot of time uh, late high school and early in college thinking about those experiences and thinking about the shame that I had experienced, thinking about how uh, weird I thought I was. And the more I learned about the world and the more I talked to other people who you can, you know, you can share stories with, you realize, shoot, no, that's like almost everyone feels that. I'm not going to say to whoever's listening that you're not a little bit weird. Some people are. It's okay. But you're probably a lot less weird than you think you are. Uh, Whatever happened to you, whatever you did, whatever mistakes you made or things that you just wish you could forget about, awkward things that happened when you were discovering your sexuality, that happens to everyone, man, like... It's so hard to get away from that, especially when you're in an environment where there's pressure put on you to be uh, morally perfect and there's so much moral weight put on sexuality. But, you know, God is very merciful to us. Um, it's, it's hard for anyone to do. It's a difficult thing for anyone to really come to terms with, especially whenever you're first learning it, when you still have the training wheels on the bike and you feel like you, you can't steer your own sexuality anywhere you want it to go. So I think having a little bit more grace for ourselves, um, we can kind of uh, flush those memories out with grace to fill them up with grace for ourselves and, you know, a little bit of empathy and compassion for ourselves. And then whenever we talk to other people, we can share that with them. We can say, hey, I know that um, coming to terms with yourself is hard, whether you're same sex attracted, opposite sex attracted, whether you've been in relationships you regret, whether you uh, like struggle with lust to a like no matter what degree you struggle with, 
having some empathy and having some grace for yourself is very powerful. And it reflects the stance that God takes on us of having, uh, he has so much more mercy for us than we could ever have for ourselves and treating it as a gift, as a natural part of growing up into the people that he wants us to be. And part of the way he shapes us, if we see it in that light, it's going to be a lot more powerful than if we just see it as a regrettable time that we want to sweep under the rug. Yeah. It might be one of my biggest regrets at all in life. It was that I didn't take my dad up on the opportunity when he asked me. He, not in the direct words, but he directly asked if I was attracted to women in a way that I could understand at the time. Just, I don't know necessarily what attraction is, but I know what erections are. They're uncomfortable and they suck. And they weren't happening at the times that my dad expected them to. And in a non-judgmental way, he asked me if I was different in that way. Mm-hmm. I see what God has done since then. So like you're saying, Spencer, I'm not wanting to undo what God has done. But I had the chance to not be alone and to get help and have someone to talk to about it, who, as I have now tested and seen, loves me. And he would have loved me then too. My dad would have loved me. But instead of Instead of walking through the door that my dad had opened to me, I chose to go alone. And that also meant later learning from the internet like you did. Um, a lot of people learn from their friends. I I didn't have that experience, but I know so many people are turning to TikTok, YouTube, social media in general, television. So if you're a parent listening to this, give your kids opportunity to share if they are abnormal, whether that's sexuality Or if that's some other sin, give them the opportunity to share how they feel like they're a sinful freak. And both you and they will be grateful for it in the long run if that conversation is done with love and if trust is built from it. Because I made my stupidest decisions when I was trying to fix a problem myself. So do your kids a favor and help them figure this out with someone who loves them. Instead of a world being guided by a world that just wants them to conform. Like you said, if there are any parents listening, what do parents need to know? What do you wish your parents had said to you? Or how do you wish they would have reacted as they, you know, kind of found stuff out about your sexuality? Because it's every parent at least thinks about, you know, what if my son's gay? What if my daughter's a lesbian? What if uh, whether it's a really negative thing or something they're scared of or just something they're curious about? I imagine most parents know that their kids don't tell them everything. But I imagine most parents want to. Most parents want their kids to be honest with them, which is so hard, and there's a lot that goes into it, especially during adolescence. Uh, It's a natural time when trust tends to break down between parents and kids. So what would you guys say about healthy ways for parents to go about that, to talk to their kids or for reacting to their kids when, you know, if your kid comes to you and says something you're not ready to hear? Yeah, don't try to guess at it. Oh, oh, that's good. That's good. Right. Um, yeah, there are so many times I wanted to tell my mom, but there's one time that comes to my mind of, she's like, well, you're the only one of your last name or only one of three of your last name that could carry on your last name. So you cannot be gay, celibate, or a priest. I'm zero for three. Um, (laughs) 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 no, um. All jokes aside, it was heartbreaking because that was the day I was going to tell her. And when I finally told her my freshman year of college, I called her. I had some friends with me that knew already, and 
they were very supportive there because I didn't know if I was going to be kicked out or not. Um, just how she and my dad reacted towards LGBT on on TV or whatever and how they expressed their disgust. I didn't feel safe. So I needed a support group with me to come out to my mom. And when I did, she said, well, are you acting on it? I went, no. She's like, then why are you telling me? Or why now? Parents, that's not right. Kids should feel safe with their parents. And they should be able to tell you anything. And yes, there are a lot of things that they don't want to tell you. You probably don't want to know. And that's okay. (laughs) Direct them to an adult or a trusted friend or counselor, someone that they can talk about those things to. If you try to guess at it or if you try to tell them that what their sin sin is is an abomination by the Lord and it's not natural whatsoever, they're not going to tell you. And when they do, they're going to be scared crapless because... They don't know how you react, but they know that the Lord has told them to come out to you, to tell you of their sin struggle, so you got to respect it. You can say, okay, what do you need me to do? That's that's an okay response. Shock is okay. Like it's, It can sometimes be shocking. So if you need to be silent for a moment, that's okay. Just be there for them. Don't abandon them either by kicking them out or by being emotionally distant. Because that will ruin your relationship with your son or daughter. So parents, hear from my experience and many other experiences around the globe and do better. For me, um, my coming out experience went a lot better. Um, Some of the things that went right before I moved on to the big things that went right. They told me that they wished they had paid I might not, it might not be the best words that I'm using right now, but had paid more attention because I didn't look like I was struggling. They didn't look for things that I was struggling with. I have seven siblings, four brothers, three sisters. So we sort of have this mindset where I can tell my parents anything, but we can't tell our parents everything. And the difference there is that my parents, if something is important, we can always tell them, but... They can't have eight kids telling them every single detail of every single day because no mother, no father has a time of day in their lives to hear about what color the crayon was that you accidentally licked or stuck up your nose, whatever the situation is. It's not important that they know every detail, but it was important that I knew I could trust them with anything. And when I told them, they didn't have all the answers and they didn't pretend to. They offered resources that they knew were available. They offered counseling. Um, like for me to get a counselor. Personally, I didn't end up taking them up on it, but it wasn't a wrong thing for them to offer. And they listened when I said that isn't what I wanted. I had a choice in the help that I received, and they didn't just try to throw me up against a brick wall called being attracted to women. They didn't force it to get fixed quickly, and they didn't blame me. I've made a lot of stupid mistakes with my sexuality. I'm not innocent with my sexuality, but they knew that I saw it as sin and they didn't need to make me feel worse about it. I approached them with my sin and they responded by giving me love. That's the experience that helps me see the gospel the most clearly because the two people who have loved me my entire life 
were being told something that could change everything. And then the two people who I was most afraid were not going to love me anymore just took me into their arms and listened, and they asked questions. And it's not all perfect. The conversation didn't make me straight or anything. It didn't make me attracted to women, but I wasn't alone. I was still loved. I was still part of the family. And everything that Satan had told me to be afraid of was proven untrue. Because I was taught to be afraid of my parents. Not by my siblings, not by my friends, but by the internet, by television. Um, I mean, I guess by friends who were also hiding things from their parents. But I learned I don't have to hide from them. And that they will love me when I'm at my best, at my worst, and at my stupidest. So that really helped me. And if you are a kid, whether that's a middle schooler, teenager, college student, or even older than that, and you have to tell your parents that you struggle with same-sex attraction, or that you have another str struggle that you're dealing with, this can be rape or suicidal thoughts or self-harm or mental health stuff. Uh, or even just problems that's going on with your friends, the advice I give people is twofold. The first is that if it's not life or death, you get to choose when you tell your parents. Don't treat it as so much of an emergency that you have to do it at the worst possible moment. Uh, some of my worst coming outs have been because I was rushing it and just trying to get it over and done with. You get to choose when you talk to them, and how you talk to them. They don't get to force it from you, and you don't have to rush. But don't be alone. Um, or make the decision to trust people who are trustworthy, and hopefully that is your parents. The second thing is you don't have to be alone when you tell them or after you tell them. When I came out to my parents, I had a friend ready who knew I, what I was doing, um, that I could hang out with afterwards. And this would have worked if I were somehow needed to evacuate the home if they had had a terrible, awful, violent reaction. Uh, or in my case, it was useful just because I needed to, I needed to decompress. I needed a friend to talk to. But another option is to take that friend with you into the conversation with your parents just to give you moral support and extra strength. So those are the main things that I recommend. Not There isn't a perfect reaction. There are a lot of things that can go wrong. Give grace to yourself if you are the one sharing, and give grace to your parents if you're sharing with them. And coming out is an experience that we've done well and that we've done poorly. Sharing things has gone right and has gone wrong. <laughs> so be patient with yourself. Be gracious with yourself and with other people. And figure it out together. I think that's the definite theme of this whole episode. If you're going through adolescence, if your puberty's hitting you hard, give yourself a little bit of grace. If you've grown up and you're thinking back on your sexuality, give yourself some grace. If you're a parent, kids coming out to you or you anything your kid brings to you, share grace with them. And always be willing to accept the grace that uh, God has for us. And if you have any questions or want to just reach out... We are no experts. We only go on experience here on the show, but we are here and to scripture. listen. And scripture. That's in there. Yes, yes. But we are here. You can reach out to us at thechurchcloset at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us for this discussion. It was a great one. Tune in next episode for more talks from the church closet.